Welcome back to another episode of the Shift Train Podcast. I'm Edward Isfell, and today I'm sitting in my home studio recording an introduction for this episode. And the reason I'm doing that is because this episode was initially recorded several weeks prior to the uh, COVID outbreak in the United States. Um, it's a very strange time to be talking about spirits, distillation, cocktails, and just general uh, fun. This was recorded at Inohaley and Atlanta, which is Atlanta's um, Tiki Weekend. Um, and it was fantastic to see everybody. We had a great time. And it might have been the only one of these kind of festivals that happens this year as they are being closed down or voluntarily closed um, faster than you can keep up. I also kind of want to address people that listen to the show that aren't aware of what's going on outside the industry. If you were only getting your news from speeches and teleconferences and whatnot, you may not know exactly what's going on in the industry. And I can tell you, I speak for a lot of people. We're all kind of talking in hushed tones and we're only talking to one another because it's rough right now. While we have to think about our health and we have to worry about spreading COVID-19 to loved ones, family members, workers, everything. On top of that anxiety and stress, we also have to worry about our businesses. Are they going to come back? Are we going to be able to make them come back? And are we going to get any assistance to make that happen? It really, really doesn't help if you're predisposed to anxiety and depression as many of us are. In fact, this week's episode was originally going to be an interview with a uh, therapist that actually was in the restaurant industry and has transitioned, but we are unable to make that happen until we're at a point where we can sit down at a table close to one another. This anxiety and depression that we all face is, is tough. Um, the only thing that's slightly helping us all hold it together is that we're all going through it at the same time. Shout out to Souther Teague from Speakeasy and Amori Margo and like a million other bars in New York, Blue Quarter, et cetera. He kind of left me a very nice message that helped me get my head straight the other night when I was having a very bad day and it was a particularly rough evening. So in addition to not having businesses because they were shut down overnight, uh, we are now having to navigate this kind of red tape bureaucratic system uh, where they have allocated funds supposedly to help small businesses, but the, the flaming hoops that they have designed within that system are beyond ridiculous. There is no money coming quickly. There is no relief coming quickly. And I just wanted to make sure that the general public, at least the general public that listens to my show, understands that when you hear these things on TV, it's not as easy or cut and dry as it sounds. As far as unemployment's concerned, I know none of my employees that have actually received a payment yet. As far as the, the CARES Act, there are a ton of hurdles that we have to jump through to even apply for that. In addition to that, most of it has to be allocated to payroll. It doesn't take into account that all of us are sitting on giant amounts of debt and typically loans for restaurants and probably loans in general, but I don't have any other loans other than my mortgage. So I can't speak to that, but they're all auto drafted from our account. Also in the state of Indiana, all liquor and beer invoices must be paid within 14 days. That's by state law or maybe federal law, I'm not sure. But um, those all got auto-drafted. And I can tell you this, the day we closed, the following day, it was a money grab. We had so many outstanding invoices hit our account 
that we very, very, very quickly drained any money we had in those accounts whatsoever. If the industry had to reopen tomorrow, I doubt that most of us would be able to do that. I have talked to some of the most successful restaurateurs in the country over the last two weeks. Just ones that I'm friends with, of course, and people that are candid. And I can tell you, I may be in Indianapolis and we may feel like small fries, but I can tell you there are some very, very, very well-known people running places with Michelin stars that say they have a 20% chance of reopening. This hit hospitality very, very hard. I just got off the phone with my best friend who runs a landscaping company and was asking if I had applied for the PPP loan, which is that paycheck protection loan that's forgivable after eight weeks that a lot of people are hearing about. And we discussed it and he said it's great for him because most of his costs come through labor. He doesn't have a lot of overhead otherwise. That's quite different for restaurants. Um, That typically only consists of about 30% of our costs, but yet the stipulations of that loan say that 75% of it must be used for payroll expenses. So it doesn't give us a lot left to be able to pay rent, utilities, um, all those outstanding invoices that hit while we were closed. Again, I don't want to give you too much of the, you know, whining and inside baseball, but I wanted to address it because one of my restaurants is still open for carryout. We're doing curbside only. We are wearing protective masks. You know, we've got fabric masks on. We've got gloves on. We have dried our bodies out to uh, approximately the moisture content of the Sahara uh, using uh, all sorts of, of sanitizer um, rum, vodka, Everclear, whatever sanitizer we can get our hands on. Um, But anyhow, the one thing that that has given me an opportunity to do is talk to a lot of our guests one-on-one because we don't have a staff any longer. As I mentioned, I believe two weeks ago on the AMA, um, we are down to my chef, her husband, my wife, and myself. So I'm pretty much running the front of house. I'm answering the phones, running payments, uh, delivering food out to people's cars on the curb, and that's pretty much my day from uh, 10 a.m. to 11 p.m. every day. So I'm not getting a lot of sleep. When I get home, I am faced with doing government paperwork, loans, trying to figure out what's the best move for us and how we fix these things. So as I'm doing this through the course of the day, I'm running into a lot of people and everybody's curious. Everybody is wants to, you know, support us. And it is fantastic. The support we have seen from the community. I want that to be said and understood that the support we have received from the community has been unbelievable. The problem is, is that the community support isn't going to fix this. The Fed needs to fix this. People don't understand. And if my guests that are regulars in my restaurant and that have been coming in there for the last 10, 11, 12 years, if they don't understand what's going on, then I know that the politicians that are sitting in Washington don't understand what's going on. We closed with little to no notice. There isn't any real valid plan to get us reopened and to get us funded. We are bleeding money faster than ever. And this is going to shut down a lot of restaurants. The one thing I hear from a lot of people, because we get busy about an hour of the day doing Grubhub and DoorDash and all these terrible delivery services that, you know, Whatever, that's a different rant. But um, And and then, of course, curbside. And people see that and they say, wow, this must be really great for you guys. You're really busy and this is, uh, you know, probably helps business a lot, right? And 
I have to smile and say, you know, we're, we're getting by. But what I really want to say is, no, this is not great. This isn't great at all. We laid off 60 people across the four restaurants. We are selling 5% of our normal sales at one of the restaurants and 0% at the other three. We had to take away the livelihood of people that we care about. And some of those people have been with us for a very, very, very long time. It's not great for us. And we are in a unique situation. We actually were set up to be able to transition to curbside and carry out very well at my Thai restaurant because it's a kind of cuisine that people are used to ordering carry out as it is. Any kind of sit down place or a cocktail bar isn't set up for that. There's no infrastructure in place to be able to bring in carry out deliveries, all these things. And there's no, of course, you have to worry about state and federal laws as well. In Indiana, we can't uh, sell a mixed drink out the door for carry out. So that just pretty much uh, precludes us from opening at our other places. So anyhow, I, I, I really want to use this as a kind of state of the industry um, primer to make sure that people do understand what we're going through here. There is nobody coming out of this in a good spot. We need the Fed to act. We need these loans to be forgiven and we need the stipulations to be loosened up because we have much more to pay than just payroll. We need to stop worrying about the stock market and we need to stop worrying about the corporations and we need to keep small businesses in business because if we don't, we are going to be looking at a second Great Depression. And I know that sounds alarmist and I could, I tell you, two months ago, I would have never made a comment like that. I wouldn't have believed it myself. But right now, I don't know how many millions of people rely on the service industry and restaurants in particular for their income, but it's a lot. And if all of those people become unemployed overnight, this country will take decades to recover. So what's my point? I'm not sure that I have one. Please write your senators. Please write your congresspeople. Let them know that more needs to be done to keep hospitality workers employed and to keep these small businesses. And when we say small, we don't mean 500 or under employees. You know, that's the government's definition, 500 or less employees. That's not a small business. You know, I, we've got 15 people working at each location. That's a small business. Souther has a handful at, at Amoria Margo. You know, it's the definition of small business could be tightened. Anyhow, again, these they get into very, very political um, debates. But what needs to happen is that some of these regulations need to be loosened. The fact that we have to have our entire staff rehired by June, it's not feasible. We don't even know if our restaurants will be open by June, nor do we know if we're going to be opening in a recession or not. I don't want to be a downer as we go into this episode. It was a fun show. Jason Alexander has been a big supporter of mine and I of his uh, for a very long time. We've been friends via Facebook and Twitter and whatever. I don't even know now. It's been so long. Um, we have shared recipes. We have concepted drinks for years and years and years and we had never met in person until we recorded this episode. So it was like seeing an old friend, but yet I'd never even met him. It's a fun show. Hopefully everything gets back to normal soon. It's gonna be a new normal. 
but uh, we're, we're, we're all bound in this, you know, all of us are together in this. And, and so again, I apologize for the long introduction without further ado. Here's Jason Alexander. I'm back out of town again. I'm in Atlanta uh, attending a Tiki conference uh, in O'Haley, which is uh, my first time here, but I think it's the third year for the event. Um, but it's pretty cool because uh, it's veritable who's who uh, hanging around the place. And today I've got one of those who's who's. Um, uh, been a close friend, um, but oddly enough, we've never met in person until yesterday. Uh, and that gentleman is Jason Alexander from uh, Tacoma, Washington. Hello, everybody. Yeah, Did I think I think we were... As nowadays, everybody's friends on the internet before we all eventually meet in real life at some point. And it, it does make the initial meeting a little less weird, though. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, sure. I, I'm yeah. Like, I, I think I have all your fucking recipes like right. saved on my laptop, you know? Because we were building the Inferno Room at the same time you were don't, building uh, your place. Don't tell my wife that. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, I want to get into it because you have like a really cool path a, a, into your career. Um, and you, you operate one of the coolest spots in the country. Um, so let's, I guess let's just start back at the beginning, man, because you, you're, you're running a badass bar, but you have not been a bartender um, as a career. Like a lot of us have, you know, kind of paid a lot of dues in the 90s, you know, when we had to like make Bahama Mamas and, yeah. you know, lemon drop shots. But you uh, were a little bit busier in the 90s doing other things. Well, uh, probably mostly high school. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, right. right. I'm right. saying the 90s. Yeah, yeah. 2000s, yeah. I guess. I was all blends together when you turned 45. True, true. <laughs> um, no, well, and I I don't think I still have put my, my dues in. I'm still doing that. Uh, I just... Uh, I had to start bartending on my own just because I needed a job, and and that's how uh, me and my wife got together and, and and met up. And she's like, "Let's open up a coffee shop." And I was like, "Well, I don't want to open up a coffee shop because I don't want to make coffee." Because <laughs> right, that's was, a good reason. <laughs> I was one of those guys, and and uh, and I eventually convinced her to let me put a little bar inside this coffee shop, and and uh, I didn't know how to bartend, didn't know what I was doing. I was just like. This is my life now. This is what I'm going to do. And, you know, I never worked for anybody else, so I literally had to teach myself as it, as it went along. And so back up a little bit, though, because you, you were a military man. Yeah, so right out of high school, I went right in the Marine Corps. Uh, my folks were poor. I didn't, you know, there was nothing for me. Uh, and they are like, hey, it's time to, time to get out, you know. Where were you? Are you from Washington? Yeah. So, okay. Uh, from... Uh, Basically, Tacoma kind of bounced around from a few cities, and after I graduated and left for uh, the military, my folks moved back down south to where they're at now. Cool. So you said you went into uh, the Marines at a very young age. What time, how many years were you in the Marines? Uh, I went in when I was 18, fresh out of high school. You know, I always hated the military and the police. And sure, the, yeah. You know, screw those guys, fuck that, I'm not doing that ever. And <laughs> and I'd get phone calls every day from the Navy and the Army and the Air Force. And I was, oh, like, yeah. I was like, screw you guys, I'm not joining, I hate the military, and hang up the phone. And and one day uh, I got a phone call, and this guy was like, hey, this is Sergeant Jason Zegan from the United States Marine Corps, you want to come down to the office and talk to me about joining the Marine Corps? And I was like, okay. And uh, no, I didn't know what the Marine Corps was, never heard of it before, name never rang a bell. And I just said, okay, and I hung up the phone and walked down to the recruiting office the next day and signed all the papers. Really? Yeah. Wow. So how long were you in? I just did my four years. Four nine, years, yeah. 1997 to 2001. And but from my understanding, that's kind of, so uh, we haven't, we're junk, we're going to jump all over the place. You, that's you, fine. You've got tiki bars, and, and, right. and but that's, your love for tiki started happening, was it while you were in the military? And, and No, it was after I got out. When, okay, okay. When, when I got out, uh, 
uh, moved back home uh, to where my folks were. My dad started his uh, general contracting business at that time, and and he put me to work as a, a laborer and eventually a carpenter. And uh, now and, I know how you build your own places. Right. <laughs> so I, I spent ten years in the carpenters union. Oh so, wow! No kidding. You know, building high schools and middle schools, and we do uh, custom homes and remodels on the weekend, and kept <laughs> kept me busy for a lot of work for quite a few years, and. So you again, you've got like a really kick-ass uh, tiki bar now. You had a previous way, effectively like relocated one and reconcepted it. But, right. Um, w- but where did you fall in love with cocktails and tiki? Because you said you came into it kind of dry, you know. Well, I, mean, you I, were, I was totally dry, totally. You know, I just got behind the bar. I was like, oh man, I hear I'm going to make a margarita, and that's this is what we're going to so make. So where were you learning from? <laughs> uh, books. Yeah. Um, I just going out to restaurants and bars and, mm-hmm. and watching bartenders make drinks and studying and coming back and then trying to do it on my own until until I got until I got it right until it was what I liked and to to the point where guests would keep ordering it again it's like okay if they keep ordering it then I must be doing something right and now let's move on to the next drink uh, but I didn't get into the whole tiki thing until um, uh, my dad got a, a condo on the big island of Hawaii and so we go. Oh, your dad lives in Hawaii. Well, he did. That's he, awesome. Part time. <laughs> I mean, him and his business partner, their thing was uh, they loved uh, um, uh, blue water fishing. Okay. You know, uh, yeah. big marlins and and tuna and whatnot. So they bought a condo out there together with their contracting business and and a boat. And so we'd go out there a couple of times a year and just eat, drink, and fish. And That's amazing, man. So and you know I've had all the crappy tourist mai tais and everything, and 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 to the point where it's like I I, I hate mai tais. They're gross. Sure. I don't want any more mai right. tais or 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 all those other crazy. Yeah, all the pineapple orange juice right. mai tais are just yeah the the in general like throw whatever fruit juice we have and a little bit of right. you know vodka in it. Yeah. So we were out there. I it must have been like 2010 or 2011 and kept hearing this ad on this radio for this place called the Akole Maluna Tiki Lounge and just kind of laughing at it. It's like, hey, I'm not going there, you know, crappy tourist spot and shitty drinks. I'll just take my beer. Uh, but the radio ad was so persistent that we finally caved and and uh, went to the spa tiki bar and Akole Maluna Tiki Lounge and sat down, grabbed the menu. First two drinks off the top were uh, the Trader Vic's Mai Tai and the Surf Room Mai Tai. I was like, all right, well, screw it. I don't know who Trader Vic is, but let me try one of his Mai Tais. <laughs> and and uh, uh, out came this drink, and it was, you know, this dirty brown cup of uh, water. And I had never seen a cocktail that color before. And it was, part of me was offended, you know, seeing this brown-colored drink. It's like, how, how dare you serve me, you know, something that looks this ugly and hideous. And, but I took one sip, and I was like... That's a Mai Tai. That's <laughs> yeah. what it's supposed to be. And and so for the next week, me and my wife just sat in this bar, hoping to close in, in Hawaii instead of going out and to the beach and whatnot and just drinking all the drinks and eating all the food and taking in, in all the art. You know, that's where we first saw pieces by like Doug Horn and Bosco and we were just mesmerized and um, Tikiaki Orchestra was on the radio and I was like, oh, hey, cool, this is great, you know, Exotica music, I get it now, really good drinks, and, and came back to the coffee shop and was like, okay, I don't know how to make drinks, but I'm going to learn how to make a Mai Tai and, uh, and a zombie and a Navy Grog. So I set out to do that, and uh, my wife had bought me a copy of the Spiral, Spiral Brown Grog Log when yeah. it first opened. And I just chucked it in a drawer. I was like, I'm not making that. You know, it's just garbage sugar water. Mm-hmm. So dug that back out. I was like, all right, Mai Tai. 
you know, source all the ingredients to find this and uh, the Navy grogs and zombies. And it just took off in this little coffee shop. People were coming here for these crazy drinks. Sorry. Yeah, you can you can have a cocktail sip break. I like you. Yeah, you were down in your room for for our listeners. You were there's room parties happening all over this hotel, and um, you were down there. And I said, "Bring a drink up with you," and you brought a box of drinks. <laughs> well, I did. I didn't. So want we've to got watch. just like lines of cocktails on the table uh, now. I, I didn't want to walk through the hotel lobby carrying all these cocktails. I was like, "Screw it, stuff it in the box, and let's go." <laughs> So so anyway, uh, like back in 2011, you know, there wasn't anything, you know, there was no Falernum anywhere. No. At least that I could get a hold of. There wasn't a lot of anything. And and so I just had to sit there and and, and uh, pick through and try and figure out how to make Falernum and, and uh, pimento dram and cinnamon syrup and grenadine. And like I said, the... Uh, those drinks really took off at this coffee shop to the point where we stopped opening for breakfast and coffee, and then we eventually stopped. <laughs> the coffee shop doesn't open at breakfast anymore. I'm like, I don't think you're a coffee shop anymore right. at that point. Well, because at this point, I'm working until 2 a.m., and I was right. like, I'm not going to get up at 6 a.m. to go open up anymore because <laughs> that's a very long day. And then we, eventually we got rid of lunch, and so now we're just this little nighttime destination in this unassuming coffee shop to come get a really kick-ass Navy grog. And this is in Tacoma, Washington. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. So um, a couple of our regulars, uh, one of them managed a building. She was a building manager, and she's like, hey, this nightclub went under, out of business. I have a spot ready to go. You know, it's turnkey. I can see you guys have outgrown your space here. Um, if you guys come take a look at it. And, and so that's how we grew, went from the coffee shop to the cabana. And we did that for seven years. I've said for so long, man, that, that like Tacoma Cabana is like the coolest name for a tiki bar. <laughs> like, and then like, I mean, rest in peace. I know that it's kind of still exists. Right. In, Some people in get upset that forms, it's still not but, there anymore. But it's like, yeah, that's such I a great like, name. I used to like your old place so much better. Really? Yeah. You get that even though it's the same folks and everything, huh? Yeah, just the, yeah, the yeah. different concept. Right. Well, I mean, I say that, but yeah. I just, I'm going through it with my Thai restaurant right, right now. Right. It's like, you guys ruined our favorite restaurant. It's like, we cook the same food. We, I mean, yeah, people don't like change. So somebody told me a long time ago, there's two things that are constant. Uh, people always hate the way things are. And they also really hate change. Yeah. Like, you know, you're just not going to make them happy, no, you know? No. So, I mean, you got to do what makes you healthy. And right. so you you transitioned from the command, and that's when I, I guess, quote, met you, but we right. had a lot of mutual friends. Um, I never did make it to your place. Um, but you now, you moved, and you operate in a place now called Devil's Reef, which yes. is super fucking cool. Uh, like, it's like a Lovecraftian right. tiki bar. Well, I mean, Devil's Reef has, has been my was my my dream bar, you know that I that I dreamt up at, uh, at the cabana, and I started workshopping the ideas and the drinks there, and 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 coming up with everything. And I was like, someday I'm going to open up a bar, and it's going to be called Devil's Reef. And and uh, it eventually happened. Funny story is uh, where Devil's Reef is now was initially the spot where the cabana was going to be, but the oh, really uh, uh, the landlords were in no way, shape, or form ready to house mm -hmm. a tenant, and mm -hmm. it was like. A, I got to have a job now and, right. and open up. And, you know, I can't wait two, three years down the road. Yeah, that doesn't work. So eventually, I think they ended up, funny, also a funny story, they put a coffee shop in there. <laughs> and, uh, the you can't owner, get away from it. I know, right? Once you're in the coffee business, you're, <laughs> there's always coffee somewhere. Not that I'm in the coffee but business. But you literally anyway. have built these places, man. Because um, did you put that stuff on, on social media where anybody can find it with, like, the builds? Never, you just sent me pictures then. 
Um, of Devil's Reef? No. Yeah, I because I, I you were on. sending me pictures because we were in a race to open. But <laughs> you blew us away. You opened just, way before we did. But like, I mean, you were actually because of right. your experience. Um, you were actually at a point where you were doing the work. Like, I mean, well, yeah, all yeah, of that woodwork, all of the bar, well, like you built all of that stuff. Well, me and my wife were very poor. <laughs> we're, we were broke. But we you had the skills to be able to do that. That's, that's quite amazing, we, man. We didn't, we didn't have the money. We didn't have the capital. You know, I didn't have uh, uh, investors or, or business loans. Right, and, sure. You know, um, I had a, a friend in the lumber business that I called up and we'd get, you know, we'd buy as much lumber from him as we could afford at the time and then bring that in there and, and, and build until it was all gone. And then when we had enough money, we'd order some more lumber. Those are the places that you fall in love with the most, though, like as an owner and as uh, as a consumer, when you know that, like, there's literal hours of blood, sweat, and tears inside those places. There's splinters in your hand. There's blisters. Um, like, you know, like. There's, there's literally me and Robin's blood, sweat, and tears in that place. Yeah. So we didn't talk about Robin so much because she's supposed to be here, but she wasn't to able to make it. So yeah. Robin's your, your lovely wife. Hopefully by the time everybody hears this, nobody's dead from the coronavirus and they can <laughs> right, actually listen yeah, to this. Right. <laughs> this may be the last record of humanity. <laughs> Sorry, folks. We wish we had better information for you of, the, of what was going on in 2020 <laughs> before the uh, 12 monkeys poisoned us with the coronavirus. I thought it was 13. <laughs> it is <Okay>. now. <laughs> um, so... Well, it's funny. So Robin's at home, but when I say Robin's at home, home is a boat. You live on a boat. We live on a boat, <laughs> yes. Uh, I totally I, thought that was bullshit the first time really? he told me that. He was like, I live on a boat. And I like looked it up because on like your social media, I'm like, he, can't, he doesn't live on a boat. Does he live on a boat? It's true. You do. You live on a fucking yeah, boat. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I grew up on the water. My, my parents always had a boat of some sort, you know, whether it be here or, or Hawaii. And I just... Uh, I love the ocean. I love the sea. Um, I love the the view from the water and the and the perspective you get and, and being able to look back at the land and and also it's scary as shit because you can die out there. So you found a, a pretty special wife. I'll tell you that if I t- if proposed to my wife that we moved to a boat, right. that shit wouldn't happen. Right, <laughs> not, <laughs> not whatsoever. I mean, it's different. You know, you you have everything you need. That I think what we and always hear what tiki as fuck. I think that's that's about as tiki as fuck <laughs> right. as I've heard. I live on a boat. <laughs> I literally live on the water. But yeah. well, that ties back into like your time in the military as well, because one of your drinks that we've had on the menu um, at some of my restaurants before, and I know it's one that you keep tinkering with, is called Golden Shellback. But that's got like a military definition. Yes. Would you like to explain well, that? Well, sure. So, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, uh, a shellback, or, or um, specifically in this case, a golden shellback, is someone who has crossed the uh, equator at the point of intersection of the uh, international dateline. So, and when on the on the water, obviously not not over air. <laughs> right. Uh, we have a lot of golden shellbacks over right, here. Right. So. It's just a, it's a name I've I've really liked. I thought it was really cool sounding and something I've carried on with me. And when and and when you are a golden showback. I am a golden showback. Yeah, so when I was in the Marine Corps, uh, and I always wanted to name a drink uh, golden showback because I just thought that name needs to be a cocktail and. So if you cross the just just the equator, are you are you, do you you're, have, you're just a shellback. You, you still get a shellback. You, uh-huh. you still get something. Yeah, yeah. You're still, you're a shellback if you cross the equator. And then the way to be a golden one is like I said, wow. dateline equator. So. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. And it's also an incredible drink. And so, 
that's a drink that every year I get your updated spec on it because right. as different products hit the market and as you kind of obsess over it, you keep tinkering with that drink. And you don't you don't necessarily do that with all your drinks. No, no, definitely not. Uh, I I have set drinks that I'll never change. It's like because if you get to the point where you just start tinkering again with them, then you might as well it just you know snowballs and unravels and. It's like I just got to leave it alone, let it be, let people enjoy it, and not screw with it. Right. I yeah. mean, obviously, we're if, always our own worst right. critic. Yeah. I mean, if a product from the market disappears and and it changes the flavor of the drink significantly, then I'll 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 either tinker with it or delete it or just mm-hmm. change it altogether. And so I don't know I don't know what it is about this drink, the Golden Shellback, that's been on and off the menus over the last probably seven, eight years now. And I mean, it, it originally started with the Lost Spirits uh, uh, Polynesian blend. Yeah, 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 I remember that. that Gosh, pineapple yeah. flavor. And, wow, and, uh, that's and, an old old iteration. Oh, I know, right? Well, that was the first one. And, yeah. And uh, it, it, part of it stemmed from my love of the fog cutter drink and and then and then wanting to uh, bring some sort of something golden in there with like the, the pineapple and mm-hmm. the Benedictine is where it started. And, and <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh at your drink. No, no. But every just, time I hear Benedictine, uh-huh. every fucking time, and this is a total departure from what the hell we were talking about. Right, no, it's all right. But at the, at, at, at the cabana, <laughs> you had a break-in one time and you put the video online and I... It's the, the the most odd break in whatsoever because right. they're like you had it all on video. Oh yeah, yeah. So so what happened? Long long story short, I'm sitting at home. Uh, it's probably like three o'clock in the morning. Robin's asleep in bed, and I'm sitting on the couch watching TV, just trying to shut my brain off from the day. And our our uh, camera systems, you know, I'll get a notification on my phone if there's if there's movement or sound or noise or whatever. And so my phone just starts blowing up because all the cameras are going off. And it's like, who, who the fuck is in the cabana? And look at it, and there's two dudes sitting in the bar and a, and, a, and a gal sitting on the other side of the bar. And they're like, oh, what should we drink? I hear there's really good rum here. And and the gal's like, do, do, can you make a hot toddy? I think is what she wanted. <laughs> and so they're going through the fridges, and it's like, I don't think there's any hot toddy mix. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I was like, and you got your shelves were full of all this expensive, rare stuff. Oh, yeah, they could have cleaned me out real good <laughs> with some very rare, expensive shit. But the one guy, I, I don't think he knew what he grabbed, but he grabbed the bottle of Benedictine. He's holding it up, he's looking at it, and he's like, oh man, this is some really good, expensive shit. And they're like, all right, pour us some glasses. And um, uh, so I think they poured each other at least three fingers of uh, uh, Benedictine <laughs> and, and chugged it. I'm telling you, man, I have a theory on this. I still think they saw the Dom on the fucking label. They're like, is this what everybody's talking about? Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe. maybe. Yeah. They're like, this Dom is yeah. fucking terrible. Well, it turn- <laughs> <laughs> I, Joke's on them. I enjoy the Benedictine. Yeah. And yeah, and the fact that they bypass so many beautiful bottles. Oh. That's funny. So actually, I've never talked about this on the show. We had a break in. About seven months ago, uh, middle of the afternoon, so we weren't there quite yet. I guess early afternoon. Was this um, uh, at Inferno? At Inferno Room. Um, so I was working next door at the Thai restaurant, and um, I get the alert, and so I'm like, I didn't have time to check it out, but it was the time at which my prep person would usually be coming in to right. start juicing. So I didn't think anything of it, and I told the, when the alarm company called, I told them to disregard. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'll walk over there in a few minutes and see what's up. So I walked over, and... Nothing. I mean, it was nothing was gone. No lights were on. Everything was cool. Nobody in the building. So I didn't think anything of it. Went back to work. Then went back a few hours later to go ahead and check the video. 
And um, some guy forced the front door open. Um, and he walks in the bar, and you can see him just kind of take it in, like, whoa, this place is crazy. <laughs> and then he, like, sits down at the bar. We don't have, have we didn't have the audio then. Right. Um, and so you can just fill in the blanks, which is more fun. But he <laughs> sat down at, like, the third bar seat from the wall. You know, we've got, like, an L-shaped bar. Right, and he, right. he, like, sits down, and he's just, again, he's soaking it all in. And we know we have a lot of native work from Papua right, New Guinea, right. and he's just kind of looking at it. And he, he looks around to see if there's a bartender uh-huh. around, and... He sat there for about three minutes, and then he got up and just left and walked out and didn't touch. I don't know if he thought that just maybe the door was real hard to open, <laughs> and uh, and there should have been a bartender there, but he he didn't try to take anything. And like I was, so we we didn't file any reports. I'm like, well, he right. didn't do anything. Yeah. He sat down for five minutes. No, no damage to the front door. None, at all? No, weird. It, very strange, man. I I, I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe but, you just manifested but it. But I didn't think about it when, I, when that happened. I was like, well, did he steal the Benedictine? Right. <laughs> That's the funniest break in. We, we might have to leave a bottle of Benedictine out now just in case. <laughs> yeah, is it right, exactly. It's the decoy. Here, try the Benedictine, <laughs> the de- man. So, um, so Devil's Reef is relatively new, though. I mean, even will open what now? Uh, well, you opened right before we did, so it's been a couple years now? Yeah, two years. Just hit two. Oh, you already hit the, the anniversary? The yeah. We don't we don't really celebrate anniversaries. Yeah, like I said earlier today, there's no there's no holidays or seasons at Devil's right. Reef. Well, we have started doing it just because it, it coincides with a uh, a tiki fest that we have in town called Makihiki. Mm-hmm. So we're just kind of trying to combine the two because there's a lot of tiki people coming into town right. for that. So, but you know, it's funny you um, you were also one of the people that turned me on um, very early to. Um, Jason Rogers, uh, mm. that makes the Fezes. You're, you're like, have oh, a yeah. whole. I think I now, I, I, I might give you a run for your money on the Fez collection now because I've got like shelves and shelves in my closet. Of right. Them. I, I think I have about 24. Honestly, I, I'm shocked to see you without one today. Or when you rolled up yesterday, I was like, what? You don't have a Fez on. I don't know. Well, sometimes I wasn't I even sure if you had hair. <laughs> sometimes yeah. I do that to go incognito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to wear the Fez so like all day, every day. I was like, screw it. I'm just going to wear. First, it was like, just a Friday night thing mm-hmm. behind the bar to be fun, and then it and then it became a weekend thing, and then an everyday behind the bar thing, and and then I got brave one day and I wore it outside, you know, out to restaurants and whatnot, and they're like, oh yeah, that's the guy from the bar, and blah blah blah. Wow. So it was fun. You so know. how did you originally get like turned on to that? I mean, because it, it is a a Cole Maluna Tiki Lounge. Oh back, really? Back in Kona, Hawaii. No yeah, kidding. The, so it goes all the way back to the all beginning. All the way back to the beginning. To uh, uh, Bryce Gennardi owned it, and he wore one of Jason Rogers. Uh, skull and crossbone fezes, and I'm like, what the, what the fuck? Yeah, one that? of those. I love that one. What the, you know? What is this guy doing? You know, he's here's this guy behind this bar, uh, making all these crazy drinks, and he's got a fez on. And he's like, oh god, I need a fez now. And <laughs> yeah, and, they are very addictive right. once you start buying them. And so he had a Cthulhu fez. So my first fez was uh, one of the original Cthulhu fezes. That's funny. My but, first one was his uh, Gen Con exclusive Cthulhu fez. Yeah. yeah. So and and um, I still have that one. Uh, obviously, I don't get rid of my fezes, but that was what I wore on Friday and Saturday night. And 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 I was like, you know, I didn't want the skull and crossbone fez because I didn't want to be, you know, just like the dude from Akoli Maluna. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted something different. And I was like, all right, well, this one looks cool. And that kind of started the whole um, Cthulhu love craft mythos things for me was really that, was that fez. yeah i've always wondered about that so i want to do get into that because you've now got a whole bar named after like right. you know right. the uh um what what story is it the shadow of insmouth shadow over insmouth yeah. yeah um with with devil's reef being kind of out there and i, I don't want to 
I mean, I know these books have been out there for a long time. I don't yeah. want to ruin the story for anybody, but it, it's it's important. But how were you like an avid reader of Lovecraft prior to that, or was it just really the mythos that like as you saw it through Tiki and then kind of got into it backwards? Like that's how I got into. It. I got yeah, into it in no, I definitely got first way. I you know? I definitely got into it backwards. It all started with the Fez and wanted yeah. to know exactly what this little creature was that was on the Fez because I didn't thoroughly understand it. But you know, the Fez looked cool and it wasn't a skull and crossbones, so I felt like I was a little different, even though I was the same and wearing a Fez. Mm. Which, but you know. Uh, so I started researching that, and I was like, "Oh man, this you know this is some pretty cool story and and information there." And and then I read the Shadow Over Innsmouth, and I was like, "This is my story." That's a horrifying story. <laughs> right. I love it. I actually just recently reread uh, the Mountains of Madness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been it's been a long time. Right. So, and I've, I actually on the way here downloaded a Audible book yeah. uh, for it because I'm just now in on the Audible thing. But yeah, yeah, it's it's funny because like all these weird, seemingly disparate. Um, pieces fit into modern tiki. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, you wouldn't have necessarily seen these things in the, right. in the 40s, 50s, 60s with Trader Vic's and Don Beach, although you might have with, like, you know, Joe and, and, and Cairo. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if they were wearing fezzes or not, yeah. but, like, I mean, I love it. I love what uh, Fezzarama does. I think oh, it, yeah. they, they make the best quality products. Right. Well, I, But I you just, have your own logo, like, right. it, it's even very, like, Lovecraftian. Right. Well, I, I, I asked Jason Rogers, you know, I told him, hey, we're opening up a bar called Devil's Reef, and, you know, and would you be interested in doing logos and graphics for it? And he's like, yeah, sure. I was like, all right, cool. And I didn't tell him what I wanted, or it was like, you know, it was like, hey, just whatever you think, whatever you feel. You know, I'd really like his his art and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the way he draws stuff. And he came back with uh, our little sigil. Well, he's incredibly talented. I mean, he was a costume designer or something right, before, right, right? Yeah. Right. And so he came back with the sigil and was like, sold. That's it. Me and my wife both loved it immediately out of the gate. And was like, don't change anything. It's perfect. So in, in drink names as well. So when you go through your drinks, I mean, you've got like the third oath, which I, I think I just polished off my second one. <laughs> right. And I'm a sucker for like cinnamon. So. Mm-hmm. That that immediately was the drink that I was drawn towards because you just can't. That's one of the reasons that uh, Jet Pilot's my favorite drink. Yeah. Like just that like that that duo of like grapefruit and right. and cinnamon is fucking magical. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Don, I, I, Don's I, mix. Right? I just I just drink Don's mix over crushed yeah, ice. I know, sometimes right? it's yeah, like, this is delicious. So good. <laughs> But so, uh, so, but uh, have you have you now kind of gone back through the canon, like Lovecraft's canon, and to really like deeply dig to dig deep? I guess. Oh yeah, I, I, I've dug very deep. Um, uh, I, I listened a lot to the HP Podcraft. I don't know if you've heard that. Um, no, I'm not sure. I I don't think so. I've been. Just I was to, trying to find a good like Lovecraft well, podcast, and there's a lot of shit out there. There is a lot of shit, uh, but. Um, I know in recent years they kind of switched over to just horror because I think they ran out of Lovecraft to talk about. Right, yeah, there's um, only so but, much. But it's really well done, and, you know, they cover all of his uh, uh, tales in, in quite great detail. And so that was something I listened to while I was driving just so yeah, that's awesome. I could stay fresh and know what I'm talking about and, and, and be able to, to theme these out. And, and, I mean, if you look at the menu of Devil's Reef, you know, it tells an entire story with all the drink descriptions and names and titles and stuff. And that was something that was very important to me to do was to to tell a story, not only with the drinks, but with the bar and 
And uh, some people come in and they get it and they understand what's going on. And some people are. But like, you don't have to to enjoy it, right? No, I mean, you don't yeah. have to at all. It's and, just it's like a cool Easter egg. It's a very obvious Easter egg for those of us that have read this uh, stuff. But oh yeah, some people are like oh shit. Again, I mean, I, I think I, it feeds into that disparate, like all these disparate parts going into like what we now call modern tiki. But like Cthulhu's kind of been like sucked into it. Like I've got Cthulhu pens that are like right. say the Cthulhu Owl, right, right. you know, and all well, these things. Yeah. It's like it's all been integrated in with fezzes right. and well, like. I, mean, I, th- I think horror tiki is definitely a thing. You know, creatures and definitely and coming out hard and, now. And I zombies, mean, and yeah, the zombie thing's taking over pretty hard. I think there's a lot of subgenres. I, you know, tiki is just it's, here's escapism, and right. then, and then how do you enjoy your escapism? I prefer mine dark and eldritch, <laughs> <laughs> which is my favorite word ever. Yeah, I had to look it up the very first time. I was like, what does eldritch mean? I don't right. know. I, and, you know, it's such an antiquated word. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but still quite useful. So we talked about you building your drinks and not and not kind of screwing with them too much. But one thing that I've loved is that, well, number one, you, you've shared uh, your drinks with pretty much anybody. And I love that. And we do the same thing. I, I picked that up from Souther Teague. Right. Um, Souther is, uh, well, for the... Uh, Surely our listeners out there know who the fuck Souther is. I mean, if, if you, you don't, don't you're, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> you're, you're listening probably, to the wrong You probably podcast. don't understand anything that I'm talking about. But anyway, Souther has said numerous times that, like, since we can't copyright a drink, right? Mm. Like, you can't say, I made that drink first. If somebody asked him one of his specs, he has business cards that has, like, a caricature of him on, mm. on one side. And he'll flip it over and he'll write it down and then write down the year. So there's some precedence, right? right? So if it comes up in a book later and, like, well, we don't know where this drink originated. It's like, well, here it is, Amoria Margo. 2011 or whatever, you know, like you can right. see right on the back. And so like, we've been very transparent, but you've sent me whole fucking spreadsheets. Like when you <laughs> never even met me in person, you're like, Oh, you, you want the golden showback spec? Well, here's all my specs. Just, you know, enjoy, <laughs> you know, well, I mean, I, I'm pretty secretive to a lot of the recipes. Uh, um, but I, I, I like sharing, especially with other, um, business owners and, 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 uh, writers like Matt Petrick, you know, he's got all of my, uh, drink recipes too. And so I, I yeah, he once told me that he was, he felt like he, he was your archivist. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I've, I've got a few archives and Robin, you know, should something ever happen to me, Robin's got Matt's number. And you know, it's funny. I, I, it for, I, I never mentioned, I always forget about it when, when I get on in front of a microphone, but you mentioned it today, but like, yeah, you and I both have, um, some nice mentions in, in Matt's book. Mm-hmm. And he's been a guest on the show before in like early, 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 early. I think it's like our fourth episode ever. We're wow. like 90 in or something like that Damn. now. But um, yeah, we, we both had got some pretty good play. Yeah. You you're always get a lot of love from Matt because you guys live in the same area. But yeah. we have we have a couple of good photos from in the front of room inside uh, Minimalist Tiki. Oh, yeah, and, very nice. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of fun. I mean, you know. Right. I don't know. It, like, it's such a niche community. I mean, here we are. Here, people right. travel all over the country yeah. to, you know, spread the virus. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm looking at you, fucker. You're in Washington State, <laughs> you man. Wanna, you, you guys touch? are probably giving me fucking coronavirus right now. If we, I'm patient zero when I go home to Indianapolis, we, we have to touch each other's faces for that to happen. Yeah, trust me, we're not. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I, I'm surprised that my wife hasn't texted yeah. four times since then, telling me to wash my hands and sanitize. Right. Yeah, I was uh, like, the CDC's in Atlanta. We're safe. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, I like sharing recipes because if you can't make it to Devil's Reef, at least you can make one of one of the, a Devil's Reef cocktail at home. No, and, and, and like that's why we really we had never met you, we'd never tasted a Golden Showback. We built it the way you told us to build it, and we were like, "This is one of the best ticket drinks I think I've ever had." Cool. And that was five versions ago, right? I know. You know? Right. So, but like when you get when you set out to make drinks, because I mean, there's a lot of tiki cannon out there, right? Like, I mean, obviously in the cocktail world in general. 
there's a, there's canon like we can go back to Jerry Thomas and all that and all right. these classic drinks. But tiki, we know where it starts. It starts in 1934. Right. So you know, when we look at that kind of like the canon and pushing the edges and, and creating new drinks, and I'm I see it done very poorly a lot of times, and I see it very done, done very well. And like I said, the showback's a really good uh, example of it being done very well. But when you sit down to like kind of write a new menu or whatever, you know, are you thinking, you know, a seasonal flip? Is there like a schedule you're trying to, to, to meet as far as changing your menu? Or is it kind of just done very organically? Or, you know, again, what's your thought process when you're when you're writing a menu? Because you your menu is primarily originals, right? Yeah. So Devil's Reef, 95% of them are originals. And, and even if they're not originals, it's, it's my recipe for, you know, right. uh, that drink. Like I serve a Polynesian paralysis, uh, just, and I've been serving that for years cause I'm, people love it. You know, they see pineapple and orange and they're like, okay, I'll take that one. Yeah. And, and, uh, and the original drink is it's you know three ounces of pineapple juice, three ounces of orange juice, three ounces of bourbon, and I think just a little bit of almond syrup. And, and uh, I don't have bourbon, so I was like, okay, well, I gotta reinvent this rum or this drink to to taste like that. And and it's like, and I don't want to pour three ounces of pineapple juice and three ounces of orange juice, and so. Just went back and I just I'll look at the flavors of a drink. So I mm-hmm. got I, you know I gotta go pineapple. I have to go orange, and and some sort of uh, um, fortifying spiritus component. And so the Polynesian paralysis we serve nowadays is all uh, oh, that was other ingredient. A little bit of lemon juice. Mm-hmm. So it's it's lemon, dry curacao, almond syrup, uh, a little bit of spices number two, uh, and plantation pineapple rum with a little uh, float of OFTD. And, People just go crazy for it, and it's like I would like to change the name because it's a completely different drink now. Right, um, but people are just used to that drink flavor profile, and and it and it uh, uh, the name Polynesian Paralysis. Right, so. that's we ran into that in a recent menu um, where we had a pretty fucking hard riff on a Cobra's Fang, mm-hmm. and it was like we. Should we call this Cobra's thing? Because it kind of is, yeah. but it's also changed enough right. that it's like we don't feel like people that know what a Cobra's thing is. Right. We're going to be happy with it. They were yeah. might like, "Well, that's not a Cobra's thing. You guys are fucking up my drink." Uh, that's and why so I, have a, I call we it were a like Angler's Fang, right? So and and we called it a Copperhead's Fang because yeah. Copperhead's a snake that's a poisonous snake native to Indiana. So, uh, but, but that way, where you're hopefully relaying the information, it's like right. you're getting something in the vein of a Cobra's Fang. It's right. just our, our, and that it gets tricky in that way. You know, uh, I mean. You know, if you're riffing on a Negroni, you leave Negroni in the name. People right. at least have an idea yeah. of what they're getting. But or like if you riff on a Mai Tai, at least leave Mai Tai in the name. Right. So like at Devil's Reef, we serve. I call it the officers Mai Tai because I use a blend of rums for it from uh, uh, the Wayne Curtis. Uh, uh, and a bottle of rum book where he talks about a blend of rum for reserved solely for officers. And so that's why at Devil's Reef, it's the officers Mai Tai and it's themed out to the Devil's Reef brand and style of cocktail making. Um, but I mean, it very, very, very closely resembles a Trader Vic's Mai Tai. Yeah, that's what I love. It's funny that your your menu is so full of like the traditionalist um, thought process, but it's all originals. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But because I when and again uh, we're just meeting each other face to face yesterday. But like I've always thought of you because of our you know 
messages back and forth all the time over the last, God, four or five years, I guess. That don't start um, with, hey, asshole, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you, you threw me off last night because I was like, just like, hey, asshole, what the fuck? And I'm like, I don't recognize this phone number. I Googled the area code and I was like, Tacoma? Who the fuck do I know in Tacoma? It's like, nobody. I'm like, they just got the wrong number. <laughs> and then you hit me up 12 hours later like, hey, man, it's Jason. And I was like, for 12 hours, I was just like, I thought it was some scam phone call or some shit. I was like, Oh, man. But regardless, yeah, like all those years, I, I've always thought of you as a tinkerer, hmm. like because of that golden shell. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. we were like, oh, no, I've changed it again. I've changed it again. You're like on version 9.8 now. I was like, you know. Right. And so, well, but, but for the most part, you don't really tinker too much or no, what? No, I, I, I don't tinker uh, too much. I really wanted to build uh, the Devil's Reef brand in the style of drinks, and, and I wanted to make sure that you know everything that is made in there fits within that brand. And so, and, when you and, say uh, that, what do you mean? So, like, when what, what do you want people to take away from that? When they say the I, went to the, I went to Devil's Reef, and like their cocktails taste like the fucking Devil's Reef. Like, what what is that that, that they got away from? I, I I think that comes down to the way I build my drinks. You know, a huge huge Planters Punch fan. Um, uh, so a lot of drinks fit into into that uh, uh, program and style of cocktail. Well, so for listeners out there that may not know what a planter's punch is, give them the rundown because this is that was the basis of Don Beach uh, and all of his drinks. Yeah, right, he built everything off that as well. So yeah, I, well, and that's where I drew a lot of my inspiration from. Uh, planter's punch, you know, base, there's the old rhyme of one of sour, two of sweet, three of strong, four of weak. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because uh, Richard Seal, I think last week said it was uh, what uh, you know, uh, four, or, know or three I of just, strong, and then he let, and somebody said, no, 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 you missed the four of weak. He's like, no, 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 I don't like the weak. Right. Uh, <laughs> I just stop at the strong. Uh, I mean, uh, it's an okay template, you know, for building cocktails. Uh, I usually just go. I, I refer back to the. I call it the three archetypes of tiki um, drinks. You know, you have the daiquiri, uh, mm-hmm. the planter's punch, and, and the grog, and you can make all three of those uh, uh, drinks with the three same ingredients of rum, lime, and sugar, and it all just comes down to balance and proportion and, and the style of rum you use. So for me, a planter's punch um, uh, is either a half ounce of lime, one ounce of simple, two ounces of rum. Uh, I also like the the Don Beach or, or, or Mai Kai method of you know an ounce of uh, citrus and an ounce of sweetener and then two ounces of rum. And then from there, you can just, you know, like Don said, why, why just use one syrup when you can use multiple right, flavor right. And, and just, you know, play with that uh, ounce of sweetness there and, and really change and mix things up. Is and, that where you see kind of the, uh, the I guess, innovation? I know that's a dirty word these days. Everybody right. hates the word innovation, you know, speaking in the rum world. But, I mean, is that where you think that's happening in, in Tiki? Because I feel like we're at a point where, I mean, we're... The resurgence has been happening pretty strong since, I mean, well, since Jeff has been publishing books, but, you know, particularly in the last 10 years, I mean, you can go damn near anywhere, and I love it. I mentioned this in our last episode, but you you can go damn near anywhere uh, and get a a pretty accurate, well-done Mai Tai now. Yeah. That's pretty rare. It's taken taken a long time. It it has taken a long time. Like, the, the, the Japanese joint by my house, it's just, like, kind of... Normal bullshit sushi, like California rolls, right. that kind of stuff. But I was just looking recently, and they have a legit Mai Tai on the menu. I, I, mean, was, if, I was shocked. I was like, that, that, yes, that's the build. If you can make a margarita, there's no excuse not to that's be able to make exactly a Mai Tai. exactly right. I don't understand why people don't ever make that parallel, like why they don't understand how right. similar a, a margarita and a Mai Tai I, are. It's a, a Mai Tai is a Polynesian margarita. <laughs> so as we're, like, 
as the innovation it's you know kind of happening now do you think syrups are the kind of way like i think in craft cocktails in general that's where you're seeing the most kind of experimentation yeah. is because it's a low risk right, you know right. a, a way to to change flavors and you fuck it up you throw yeah. it away you didn't lose too much yeah i mean back in the days of the cabana i, I you know I just wanted to try everything, so drinks, you know, had Benedictine and Amaro and mm -hmm. and all these other, you know, crazy esoteric ingredients that I could find, Genepi and and stuff like that, and and um, and then I just kind of took a step back for Devil's Reef, and it's like let's scale the operation down, let's see how many different drinks we can make with the least amount of ingredients possible, right? Um, but yeah, the biggest one, you know, is syrups. Uh, for sure, you know, I got the standard loadout of juices: lime, grapefruit, orange, lemon, and pineapple. But the syrups, you know, are probably twice that, if not more. Yeah, that's the um, the thing that I've noticed the most. I guess, I guess that, that that's where you can really play. You right. know, because again, you can throw it away if it sucks. But right. and we only get access to so much juice. Yeah. You, you know, when I was in Thailand, that was that was like the big eye opener. I'm like, yeah. God damn, <laughs> like. The juice that they have here and that aren't being used in cocktails just blew me away. Right. Like, why aren't you guys using this? Like, you have everything so fresh here. Passion fruit. We pay how much money for passion fruit here in the United States? A ridiculous And there amount. it's everywhere. You right. can just stop by and buy a bottle of it for a dollar. Yeah. Like, for a full bottle of right. fresh passion fruit juice. But, man, what it, I guess you got to live with it, you know? Right. That was actually... <laughs> While I was staying in, in Bangkok like six months ago or whatever, like mm -hmm. there was a convenience store directly next to our condo. Mm -hmm. And so like every night when I came home drunk, I would think ahead <laughs> and I'd go, I think it was a 7-Eleven or something, rip off of 7-Eleven next to it. And right. I'd go in and I'd buy two, um, I guess they were quart. Yeah, right, 32 ounces, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, two quarts of, uh, of of passion fruit juice for the right. next morning and I put them in the fridge so I'd wake up in the morning. Just, uh, my little nieces were there too and they right. love passion fruit juice. So it's like, oh. Uncle, Uncle right. brought us, you know, yeah. the passion fruit. And was like, ah, I'm hungover. I need to. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, I actually prefer that over orange. So, yeah, you know, like a lot of Don's combos were lime, grapefruit, and orange. And, and so at Devil's Reef, I use lime, grapefruit, and passion mm -hmm. as, as, as my. Yeah, people combo. really think passion fruit is like a sweet thing. They don't realize how acidic that is. Oh, yeah, it's very and, tart. And, yeah. And especially a, tar uh, a properly made grenadine is very tart as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. so, I'm, you know, it's funny. And again, this is. How, how it usually happens when friends are on the show, it just becomes a conversation. But, um, you know, um, Garrett Richards has been a, a friend of mine for the last several years. And, right. you know, he's kind of doing the, that really edgy, like adjusted uh, and kind of, I, I don't want to say the molecular end of it, but, you know, right. working for Dave Arnold, that's like, you know, the acid adjusted stuff. Yeah, the acid and adjusted stuff. And, like, it's it's interesting how some of the things they're doing that are playing in. And I've had some of, like, the best tinky drinks I've had in the last five years have been like at existing conditions and they've only been open what a year and a half right and it's it's pretty amazing and like i i find myself um to be quite traditionalist and and, right. and you are as well like i mean 90 percent of our menu is not original like we actually um we may tweak a little bit on the recipes um but i mean we serve my ties zombies yeah. mm -hmm. pearl divers you know because we're standing on the yeah. shoulders of oh, yeah. the people that came before us. You I know, mean, Zom the Don Don's 1934 Zombie is continually yeah. one of the top three bestsellers at my yep. place. Same you know, here, same people, here. Just, they want a strong cocktail, and what's t is the Painkiller top seller? It's up there on the top ten too. Ours know. is number one by a lot, and so you know, there's it's those, not like, on the uh, menu. Those, uh, like I think it was, I don't know if it was Mover and Shaker that made the right. shirts, but somebody did with, like the vodka pays the bills. Right, well, Cocktail Kingdom had yeah. it. 
cock, or uh, you know, vodka, vodka pays the bills. We're definitely gonna make a tiki version that yeah. says painkillers pay the bills. Right, right, for which sure. is crazy because it's not that old. It has very little to do with tiki cannon. It's uh-huh. from the soggy dollar bar. Right, uh, soggy dollar bar. Like it's, I don't know how that became, but I know a lot of tiki people that for what? them it became the 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 benchmark for yeah. a tiki bar. Like I'm gonna try their painkiller and see and if that's good then i'll try their mai tai or zombie right, right. but it has very little connection to the rest of like kind of tiki cannon yeah i i mean people ask for it it's not on the menu um but we always are happy to make it and it's, i think it's something recognizable and and approachable and and uh, a gateway you know it is yeah i think i mean and it's it's like a you know, it's penny colada two Right. You know, yeah. which which I'm okay with that. I, right. I, I don't like penny coladas very much. Although I will say Tropic City in Bangkok, Sebastian de la Cruz makes probably the best fucking pina colada I've ever right. had. Shit's amazing, man. Yeah, I, I mean I had a pina, uh, pina colada on the menu at uh, the cabana and Did I you? took it I took it off the menu when I moved to Devil's Reef. Um, but people still ask for it all the time, so it's it's on the system as colada of the gods. <laughs> so before we finish today, because I want to make sure we hit on it and, and we've got events to do tonight. Right. So the so when you close down Cabana, you still had a little bit of time left on your license and all that. We, we don't yes. need to get in the business of it. But you you kept it open, but not as the Cabana for a little bit longer. And this is where I kept texting you. I was like, you're fucking killing me on Instagram, dude. Because <laughs> we're the Inferno Room. And you transitioned and called it the Fern Room, which I, I thought was amazing. Because I'm obsessed with, like, these 70 Fern Bars. Right. Like, you know, the Regal Beagle and, like... To me, it just it, it needs like a lounge singer, like fucking you know <laughs> Tony Clifton in the fucking corner, you know. Yeah. And um, I thought it was quite amazing, but you were serving like drinks that we typically can consider like the, the 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 shitty area of cocktails, you know, and they can be done well. They can be done well for sure. Uh, it just is something that happened. Somebody was supposed to come take over the cabana spot and not do the cabana. Um, oh, really? And, it wasn't. And, it was never like your plan to do that. No, and so he backed out at the last minute, and like, and we had gutted the place, so it was empty. You know, there was nothing left in there. We took all of our stuff out, and and we're like, well, shit, we still have six months left on this liquor license. I don't want to waste, you know, fifteen hundred bucks. Um, might as well just, you know, make some money for the next six months and see what happens. So we went back and we schemed the whole entire plan and menu and drink menu and food menu for the fern room over a plate of tacos at a local <laughs> restaurant and started the next day and, you know, um, redid the bar top, redid the back bar briefly uh, and and started making drinks. And No, it was real neat, man, because we were talking with, uh, well, Lee Edwards and friends of the show definitely know who Lee is. Uh, He's Jake Parrott's counterpart, and who's Jake's been on the show numerous times. He was with House Alpins, both of them. But he was out with us last night, and we were talking about, like, it recalled, like, Golden Cadillac. Like, I mean, you know, I, I still think we haven't seen that come back yet, right? Like, oh, I, I made a that, Golden like, Cadillac. It was really I good. I think that, like, that, that 70s, for me, because, I'm, you know, I was born in 76, right? right? So I'm, like, 44 years old. But, like, for me, it's, like, I recall that, like, smoky bowling alley lounge like, because my dad loved the right, bowl, right? right? So right. we'd go to the bowling alley lounge and, like, sit in there, and it was always smoky and these, like, you know, waitresses with voices lower than mine, right. you know? And, but, <laughs> but, yeah, and they were serving, like, Harvey Wallbangers and shit like that. And it's like, I don't know, like, there's, I think that's got to come back, right? Like, it has to. At some point, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you already see people, like, you see all the, like, the ironic hipsters who are like, oh, we got to drink Miami Vices. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, they're no. not drinking that because it's a good cocktail. So, like, we have to see a comeback of, like, 
you know, whatever, you know, um, when we, we tried a couple of menus doing some, some of that and like purple hooter riffs and things like that, you know, the, the cream, um, the cream drinks. Right. Yeah, exactly. So and, I, I mean, you're already seeing that come back, right? right. Uh, like grasshoppers. I've seen how many times have you seen grasshoppers in the last year? Yeah. They're coming back. The grasshopper at Pepe Le Moco. <laughs> oh my thing. God. Yes. It's so good. It is like yeah. the drink to get yeah. a Pepe Le Moco. Yeah. We did a, a salty dog at uh, the fern room and, and I was like, okay, how many how many layers of grapefruit you know can I get in here? Is like I really want to stack flavors and, See, and that's layers. That's what I'm talking about. That's how you improve the drink. So I went with a, a grapefruit flavored vodka, and then I made a. Uh, I took uh, inspiration from Jasper's basic stock and made a a salted vanilla grapefruit cordial, and then uh, uh, grapefruit bitters. Wow! And, and that was the drink. I drink that. So, I mean, that's what I'm, there, there's room to like take this bullshit that, that right. was out right. and make improvements on it. And we, yeah. and like I said, we made an attempt to do it about 10 years ago, but we didn't really have the knowledge that we have now. You know, right. it was just kind of a, a, a harebrained idea yeah. at the time. But like, right. I think, you know, I think that we're going to see that. I mean, everything goes in cycles. Yeah. I mean, here we are talking about drinks that, you know, were from, you know, 85 years ago. I mean, we're making mm-hmm. fucking. 86 year old drinks with the zombie mm-hmm. right you know they're, they're good drinks they're balanced drinks that are still relevant to you know to which, this day. which is funny because you know in the 80s and you talk to guys like um again previous guest of the show brother cleave you know who's like a big historian and right. some of that and they talk about like you know when they got into it in the 80s it's like you know looking back 100 years you know and that would have been in the 1880s and you're right. looking at jerry thomas and things right. like that we're now like so far into like the <laughs> 21st century you right. know that like we're, it's 2020 now. Like a hundred years ago, we have we had cars. Yeah. You know, like yeah. so. There's documentation of the things happening. Right. You know, right around that time. So I think that you know, as we see the evolution, uh, it's going to go in cycles, and we're going to see real cool shit. Because, so I mean, Tiki is going to be a hundred years old, <laughs> just like in ten, in, in 13 14 years. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, that's insane. That is insane. <laughs> you know. I just, it, this has been an incredible weekend, man. I, I just, I can't believe the people that we've like hung out with. Like if you check my Instagram feed, I'm like, it's, I hung out with her a few times, but like yesterday I got to like chill with Eve Bergeron, the granddaughter of Trader Vic. And like the fact that we're in that time that, that we can still talk to people that like grew up, you know, right. with their grandfathers telling them stories of, of, you know, Hey, I, you know, I started, I started this, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, like, uh, Ken and Heather Pleasant, yes. uh, the granddaughter of, uh, uh, Whitco and yeah. they're here hanging out and it's like, yeah, I hung out with, uh, Heather and, and King quite a lot last night and yeah. it's just, it's, it's amazing. And they're from your area, right? Yeah. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. they live not far from you. Well, so that's, what, that's where Whitco, home. that's where Whitco's from. Right. It's up in our area. So yeah, she invited me last night to come over next time I'm in your area to uh, to go to their 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 family retreat where like her grandfather like right. brought friends and they built the whole thing out of leftover Whitco shit from the factory, which it was fantastic. I really uh, I'd like to do an episode with Heather. In fact, if I can snag her tonight, you know, it, you, we may see an episode up in a few weeks. Uh-huh. I don't know, but uh, obviously we're pretty cocktail based, and and Whitco gets into into very uh, niche um, tiki, but. You know, it's fun stuff. So where can people find Devil's Reef? Because you've got a lot of really cool things going on. I love following you. You're one of my favorite people on Instagram. Um, you're, you're no frills, no bullshit. You're not in kind of like the the inner circle of, uh, of you know, everybody, you know, back slapping each other. Like, you're the best bartender. <laughs> like, I mean, you I'm just kind of put your head down and you do your shit. I'm just happy to be here. Happy to make drinks. Um, 
show some people some Devil's Reef hospitality and. But your but your Instagram's easy to remember. Tiki Commando. Tiki Commando, because if we had, if you just remember right. as a military man, you know it's, it's easy. Uh, I was I was a commando in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Really, you were a commando in the Marine Corps. Oh, I mean, we just basically. got to be cold and show that <laughs> right. part. Yeah, I was I'm like, sure. hey, uh, but Tiki Commando, and that's and I ran across you on Instagram like that. In fact, I was following you uh, before I even knew who you were. Right. Um, so it must have been goddamn. I still, I still don't know. I still don't know who I am. Yeah, well, <laughs> right. I'm not sure who you are either. I, I, you're not wearing a fez, so you may be an imposter for all I know. <laughs> I did. I did bring my fez. It's here. Right. The devil's the real. Double. And your name's Jason Alexander. Which maybe we didn't even mention that at the beginning. Right. Did we say just Jason? We did. We say your full name? I don't know. I don't know if we did. Jason Alexander, who not the Seinfeld actor. Not, <laughs> you know? Are you sure? People can't see me right now. I very well could be George Costanza. <laughs> That's right. Happy Festivus, everybody. Or 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 that guy who married Britney Spears for a day. There was a guy named that, from Washington George. State named Jason Alexander. Really? Uh huh. From did, Washington State. Yeah. Did you marry Britney Spears for a day? <laughs> So, quick, quick story. Uh, I had to, I had to get into this class to show my ID. Shortly after uh, they got married and divorced, a, you know, a couple of days later in Vegas, and the gal checking me into this class was like, "Oh shit, you're Jason Alexander," and I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> you married Britney Spears." I was like, "No, that wasn't me." And she's like, "You're denying it. It must be true." And she went on this big, <laughs> she, went, she went on this big tirade. It was hilarious, but. You know, before we wrap up here, All right. I, I want I want you to slide that mic to to your left a little bit because we got one of your guys with us here today, and, and like he's been our peanut gallery so far. But I at least want to say hey and bring him on the show for a second. So we got Tommy. I don't know your last name, Tom Selman. And so you've been with Jason at like all of the iterations, right? Like the Cabana and all the way through the coffee shop, all the way through, and I've seen his uh, progress. And even when you've we, seen it, but you've been part of it though. Like, I mean, you're a guy that he leans on because there's, a, I know how small this crew is. I always tell you, I got the best nun job there is. <laughs> I get to hang out, and like I say, he always glad to be here. I'm just glad to be here because I'm ex military, a parachute guy who has that adrenaline brain, who get bored quick. But hanging out with this guy and seeing what he does and being able to just help out in the bar gives me a purpose and something to do because it's always something different. So where did you guys meet? Uh, at the coffee shop. At the coffee shop. We used to stay in, the same, stay in the same apartment. I was going through a divorce, and I would come down on the weekend. They would make me breakfast, and we started from there. So were you, like, into the cocktail scene at all at that point, or was that kind of just, like, it, you slid into it with him? I just, I just slid into it and really, like say, I really don't know a lot because uh, I just do what my role is. It's extra, whatever that needs help, I do the help. Yeah. He handles all the cocktails and stuff. Um, I sample a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, I mean, <laughs> I mean well, so you're downplaying yourself a lot, but, I mean, you guys live in, in fucking Tacoma, and we're in Atlanta. That is not a small trip to make to, to do a couple days of, 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 you know, kind of tiki promotion. So, like, are, are you spend time behind the bar, or are you just kind of, like, being literally the extra hands that does everything I'm literally else? the extra hand. Whatever the other hand, it, you come in, you'll see me at the front table, you'll see me on wow. the floor, I'll clean a couple of tables. So you're the guy to get and make sure everybody comes back? Yes. <laughs> I'm into a couple of relations, uh, uh, customer relations, like, say, ex-military, so I... He's a couple of relations, like... Yeah, sh- sh- yeah customer, <laughs> customer relations. So I, I got a knack for actually being able to talk to people in many different ways. 
That's awesome, man. Because like, I mean, that's that's what brings people back. Yes. Because yes. we have our heads down. Yes. Like yes. we're working our asses off, and it's it's hard to like look back up and and, and make sure that uh, everybody's taken care of well. And and so, I mean, but that's really tiki, right? I mean, yes, yes. When we talk about the old school guys, like it's it's the guy floating the dining room. We we imagine we like daydream that that was going to be our job. We're like we're just going to have set up, we're going to have all these bartenders, and we're going to be like Trader Vic, or it's going to be like gliding around the dining room, like hello, <laughs> how are you? Welcome to Fantasy Island. And yeah, that doesn't happen. You know, you're just stuck working your ass off. So. Like, you know, that all falls down to whoever who's running running the dining room and running the front. Yes, it's all and about customer relations. Like I said, if they're having fun, we're having fun. Yeah, man. So you said you were a parachute? Parachute guy. And you can still walk. <laughs> yes. That's because you're still young. But I like to say, it takes some time, especially on these cold mornings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, man. I, I knew this cat. He was actually my very first bar job, dude. He was like 74. And uh, he had done, god damn, I can't remember, 45 years military? Mm-hmm. He, was, he had been in all, like, Korea, Vietnam. He did six tours Vietnam. Um, but, yeah, he it got to a point where he couldn't walk anymore. He had braces on his yes. legs. He said, his doctor told him, if you ever jump out of another airplane again, you'll never walk again, you know? But that, that's the adrenaline that we need up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's hard to get here. Like, yeah. I mean, the bar is, business keeps moving, but. The, the, I mean, bar, the bar gets it because uh, I get all kind of people in. And it, it, each individual customer's party is different. Yeah, right. And yeah. Because I know the history of his journey, I get to tell the history of, of his journey. We never talked about the Devil Reach being the bar that he actually wanted, but I know that by watching the, the, his journey, and I can tell the people from with the coffee shop to to Cabo Cabana, and this the Devil Reach. Actually, Devil Reach is my favorite my favorite joint. That's awesome, man. We, because uh, it's dark. Are you, are you and from it's, Washington? Actually, no, I'm from the South. Okay, it didn't. You didn't sound like you're from Washington. I'm from the South. I was stationed up in uh, 1997. Okay. In the place that I liked, and the air was clean at that time. Yeah, <laughs> it's still a hell of a lot cleaner than it is in most places, especially yes, the is. South. Where are you from originally? Mississippi. A uh, little place called Utica, Mississippi, South of Okay, Jackson. you're from Utica. Okay. Yes. Right on. Is it, you been back to see if there's a cocktail scene booming there? There's nothing booming. Actually, <laughs> I usually visit my mom around about her birthday, which is March 3rd, and I was in the region. <laughs> like I say, they'll tell you, I always love a good trip, and I love to see what's on their calendar, and so I was in the region, so it's just no-brainer. Are you a ticket geek now? I don't know, what would you call me? <laughs> I, you know, because you say ticket, then you ask me something ticket, I may not know all of the stuff around it. So, well, no, it's, I'm but, a, I mean, I think we're all learning, you know, but yes. like, it's a conversation that we had, uh, you know, a couple of days ago is that you don't see a lot of people of color in Tiki. It seems to be like this very fucking exclusive white guy thing, walking yes. around in flowery shirts and stuff. And, um, it doesn't seem very inclusive in a lot of ways. And the thing about the devil, Rick, we are inclusive. Cause like I say, is, uh, the one of the cooks are Thai. And uh, Gigi, I know some Thai people. Yeah, Gigi. <laughs> uh, uh, a lot of my staff is uh, Spanish. Yes. Okay. So we are very inclusive, and I guess Tacoma is very is a setting for very inclusiveness. Really? Yes. See, I've never been to Tacoma. I've been to Seattle, and and you know, obviously, I know that you know the West Coast is actually yeah. very liberal, um, but I've never been out of Tacoma, and I, I don't know. I just when I. In Washington State, outside of Seattle, in my head, I just imagine just like, you know, fucking like evergreen trees that are like the size of like mountains, you know? With what you just <laughs> said about not being non-inclusive, Tiki and a black host <laughs> who's partnered with customers on the floor, 
That's inclusiveness. Yeah, yeah sure. That's man. And they don't think second about the color. Well, that's cool because that's right. You're setting that tone right, yeah. right from the door, man. Yes. So, yeah, it, it is interesting. And I've had a lot of conversations over the weekend. And I'm actually a little shocked because, I mean, I felt that we were a pretty inclusive community. And then you talk to, like, certain groups and you're like, man, there's some fucking racist-ass motherfuckers <laughs> in this business. But, you know, it's like you don't. I don't know. I, it's my white privilege, I guess. It's like I, that I don't notice it as yes. much, you know, and because nobody says shit around me because I guess maybe they assume I agree with them. I don't fucking know, but yeah, when I when they, uh, whatever. That's yeah, you got to come out. You gotta that's come a whole out. other fucking yeah. episode, but you find out. You got to come out, man. I, just, I, I don't want to be around anybody like that. <laughs> you know, yes. this is this this whole this whole business is about inclusiveness and escapism, and and you know, it's it's been a lot of fun, and like. You guys have been a blast, dude. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even hardly remember being with you guys last night. I mean, like when you get so my first visit ever to Trader Vic's, any Trader Vic's, I've never been to a Trader Vic's. I built a goddamn bar with Chris uh -huh. to like be Trader Vic's esque, but we've never actually been inside one. Well, I not say we, I have not. I, I think he has, um, but well, yeah, that's right because he went to Emeryville, but there's only two in the U.S. Right, and so. Um, I got to go with Sven Kirsten, you know, and, and Dave Hanson that did all of our work there. And I was like, and then you guys show up. And I was like, what, what, what an amazing group of people. And Lee Edwards showed up from House Alpins. Couldn't ask for a better, like, crew to be drinking with, especially Sven as we're walking around. He's like, that's from this in 1941. And that's from that from 1976. And Trader Vic himself, like, carved that in 1974. And you're like, Jesus Christ. Like, how do you have this inside your head? You know, it, 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 was, it was really a special moment for me. I'm glad that we all got together down here. You know, uh, I haven't been to Atlanta in 20 years, and I'm definitely coming back. Yes. Like, the people here have been some of the most accommodating, cool, kind. There's a lot of real, like, cool people walking yes. around this hotel that aren't even part of what we're doing right. here. You know, the Tiki thing. It's like there's, like, a tattoo convention down the road. <laughs> there's a bunch of... Bunch Whatever. Of people walk around wearing a lot of nothing yeah. and going to the pool. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we want to leave that on audio. So, uh, <laughs> well, thank you guys, Tommy, and, and thank and, you, man, and just thank you so much for coming in and thank you for doing what you do for Jason because you know it's a team effort all the time. We always bring the owners on the show, and uh, it's real cool that I got to talk to both of you today. Because you don't often hear the other side yes. of that perspective, you know, and especially Tiki. It's a weird thing, to, it's, especially at our age, right? You know, when I first, uh, when we first made our mugs at in front of room, somebody said, how old are you? And I, I think at that time I was, what, what 41? I, and they said, well, damn, you're, you're one of the youngest people in the Tiki, you know, because it, it skews old, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's why you get so many, you know, closed-minded people because you get a bunch of like 60, 70-year-old guys that are just trying to relive the 50s. But, you know, for us, we're coming at it from a different angle. Yes. We're coming at it from the surface industry and we're, we're, rather than trying to, like, go back and live the, relive our teenage years in the 60s. And so um, it, it, it's really interesting to kind of see how things are evolving and changing. And I think that you guys are really at the forefront of that, and, and especially, Jason, you with your drinks and, and Tommy with your service. And I can't wait to do it. So we, we need to get um, some social media. So where can people find you on, like, Instagram or whatever for the bar and or personal? I, I just Before we get to that point, I just wanted to say I, I think my absolute favorite thing about uh, running a bar and, and Devil's Reef uh, – is after getting just crushed for hours by tickets and his, and, his, <laughs> yeah. and his tickets and you get caught up and you don't have any tickets more and you can step back and then you just hear everybody, you know, laughing and joking and smiling mm -hmm. and you look out and you scan the audience and there's young people, old people, um, 
people of all different nationalities and, and affluence, and they're all together and all having a good time. It is a great equalizer, you know. I mean, because there's if there's one thing that equalizes every culture in the world, it's alcohol, right? Like, right, I mean, true. humans always are going to find a way to get fucked up. I mean, that's I mean, that's it's funny, but it's also true, you know. I mean, like, I mean, what, who's that guy? Zane Zane something or other that uh, like had a TV show based upon that. Like, every culture has some sort of drinking culture, yeah. you know. And so we just we've chosen a particular niche, yeah. you know. I fell into it through the cocktails and through love for rum, but I mean, it's uh, some of my best friends now are are, are tiki people, and like that's you guys myself Tommy I just met you yesterday but like I mean we're, we're fucking brothers now like I mean you're welcome and stay in my house anytime you want now you know we do gotta get you guys to Indianapolis you know absolutely I, can, I've not seen the Inferno Room I would absolutely love I haven't to come seen out. Devil's Reef right. so I think we're just gonna have to create some sort of synergy between yes. between the two right. and uh, so uh, we but we're, be on Instagram where we can find you at, at Tiki Commando spelled just like it sounds uh, and then uh, the bar is uh, at Devil's underscore reef a devil's underscore reef yeah well there's a there's a rum called devil's reef oh really not uh i wasn't aware of that no no well, it's cool it's at least a rum right <laughs> i mean no no association it's not a with vodka or anything reef. right so right well. on man so uh, uh for us you know we've mentioned it numerous times shiftdrinkpodcast.com but you know uh find us on on apple and google uh, Google Play and all that, and please, please leave reviews. It helps more than you guys think, and I always forget to say that, but you know, leave some positive reviews. It helps, you know, it helps keep this thing going. And uh, I know we're a week late um, doing some stuff here, but uh, you know, this is a, it. The industry takes a toll on you, and sometimes I got to take a break too. So uh, we apologize for for airing a show late, but um, we'll uh, we'll be back on normal schedule here. We should be, and um, some real cool stuff coming up. So. Until then, guys, hey, cheers. And, and, and Jason and Tommy, thank you for bringing a box of cocktails. <laughs> there's nothing left. It's a bunch of empty glasses. I, I, I take that back. There's one, there's one half cup of a cocktail. Got a you got to have so we have the equivalent of one cup here. <laughs> cheers. 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 Mahalo, folks. <laughs> <laughs>